open up to Romans chapter 10. A while back, I remember uh, hearing a story about a church that actually encouraged their congregation to bring their guns to church. How many of you heard about that? It was just kind of like their statement of saying, hey, man, we uh, have the right to bear arms. And it was kind of an interesting thing. I mean, I believe in the right to bear arms. I wouldn't necessarily encourage it on a Sunday necessarily. But, um, you know, I do encourage you to bring your sword, however. I do encourage you to bring your Bible. You know, one of the things that you'll see when you come to this church that might be a little different than a lot of other churches is that we just try to teach the Bible. Why? Well, because any other word, my word, or any other word, man's word, is not authoritative. But the Bible is. And that's why we really encourage you to bring your sword, to bring your Bible. If you forgot it today, that's okay. We still love you. But maybe you might want to raise your hand, and one of the ushers will bring you a Bible so that you can follow along with us. Just in case there's any here today who didn't bring your Bible, just raise your hand. And we'll bring one to you because today we're going to be covering some kind of tough verses in the book of Romans. Um, Beginning in chapter 10 of Romans, uh, verse 16, all the way to chapter 11, verse 10. And it's kind of some tough uh, sections to teach, you know. If it was up to me, you guys, I'd probably teach something different, to be honest with you. I'd teach about... You know, things that, you know, make you happy or things that are real exciting, you know, in that case. And, um, but it's not up to me. You know, one of the convictions that we have here in this church as well is that we just teach through the Bible. We start in a book and we just continue to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. That way you get the full counsel of God. And I know God in his wisdom will take that. Uh, there's a saying, it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. And that's why it's cool that we have that privilege of studying the whole Bible together. But notice what we read here in Romans chapter 10 and verse 16. It says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Today, we're going to pretty much cover God's plan of salvation, God's plan for the nation of Israel. We're going to see Israel lifted up as a witness and even Israel lifted up as a warning to the world. Now, if you were here last week, or you remember we studied the preaching of the gospel and how people with faithful feet go out and carry the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. You know, one of the interesting things about the first century church is that they were so much more stronger than we are. They were so much more faithful with their feet One of the things you'll see about the first century church is that they did a very good job of taking the gospel to the whole world. They were very missions-minded. They had eyes to evangelize. That was the first century church. As a matter of fact, at the time that Paul wrote the book of Romans, we read here in verse 18 that the 
whole world back then essentially had heard the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean every person heard, but it means that every people group heard. And that's an incredible accomplishment if you think about it. You know, Paul here we see in the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 18, he quotes from Psalm 19, verse 4, in telling us, look again, it says in verse 18, have they not heard? Yes. The world has heard. It says right here, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But we read in verse 16, although they all heard, they all did not heed. They did not obey in that they did not believe. You know, and for us, it's a challenge. You know, we need to take the gospel out to the whole world, just like the first century church did. As a matter of fact, Paul wrote something similar. If you go over to the book of Colossians chapter 1, and it says in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Notice he says in verse 6, which has come to you as it has also in all the world. You see, the first century church, they were very faithful in taking the gospel message out. As a matter of fact, if you go over to Colossians chapter 1, notice what it says in verse 23. It says, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, which was preached, notice, to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a servant. You see, the first century church did a much better job of preaching the gospel, even without the technology of today, without the modern modes of transportation or the modern modes of communication. And generally speaking, man, the whole world had heard. And just as a quick side note right here, you guys, I think for us it's a challenge. You know, we have the Internet, we have cell phones, we have telephones, we have airplanes, planes, trains, automobiles. We have all these things. Why is it that we are not taking the gospel out like they did? And the answer is because we are not dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Here we see the message beginning here, and the Lord just communicates us. Listen, everybody has heard, but not everybody had Obeyed. That's what we read in verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And that's such a bummer when you think about it that not many people are believing. There in that verse, Paul quotes from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. And I'm sure a lot of you here are familiar with Isaiah 53. It's all about the suffering servant. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the report of redemption. And that Jesus died for our sins, our iniquities were laid on him. That by his stripes we are healed. When you read Isaiah 53, you see it's the good news of the gospel that if you would just turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. But generally speaking, they did not obey, they did not believe even though the gospel is so simple. 
Notice what we read in verse 17. It says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, when the word of God was preached to them, the Bible, which is all about Jesus, they did not believe. They did not exercise faith. You see, the Jews knew the word of God, but they did not know the God of the word. And here's the thing, they were not willing to come to him. And therefore, for a season, they were rejected by God. And that was only because they had rejected God themselves. And so as we begin this morning, we really need to examine our own lives. How are we doing in preaching the gospel? Are you going out into the highways and byways and valleys and alleys? Do you have a heart for the lost? I pray you would. Use that communication. Use that transportation. But depend on the Holy Spirit. Because there are so many people out there that are dying. And the whole world needs to hear the message. How about you, though? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You know, I'm sure you've heard. You just heard right now. But have you received the Lord into your life? The funny thing is, in reading the scriptures, the Jews should have known that since they did not want the Lord, he would find someone else. And we know how that works in life. Huh? You guys, when you have boyfriends and girlfriends, you're like, hey, you don't want me? Okay, cool, I'll find somebody else, right? That's the way the Lord was as well. It's kind of interesting. It says here in verse 19, But I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. You see, in our study today, we're looking at the plan of salvation. We're looking at the nation of Israel And Israel is a witness to us. Israel is a warning to us. And when Israel read the Old Testament, here, first of all, Paul quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 21. And then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 65, verse 1. And he says, listen, man, you guys should have known. You should have heard that warning that God gave that one day the Gentiles would come to the Lord and the Jews would not. But for some reason, they didn't heed the warning. Here we see in verse 19, God says, man, when the Jews would see the mercy and the blessing and the goodness raining down on the Gentile Christians, you know, having that personal relationship with God, it was supposed to stir them up to jealousy, even to anger. God had written it all down. He said it so clearly there in verse 20. I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. You know, you guys, the interesting thing is this. The Jewish mentality of that day was that, listen, the only reason the you know, Gentiles were made, the Hispanics, Latinos, you know, all these people, is to fuel the fires of hell. Crazy, huh? They're just firewood for hell. That's what the Jews thought regarding the Gentiles. And yet God had said to them in their own scriptures written by a Jew to the Jew that the Gentiles were going to find God. Think about that, that he was going to reveal himself to them. 
And so when you look at the whole plan of salvation, you see the things that are going on today in Israel and among the Gentiles and around the world, you realize that all this was laid out by the Lord. It's an amazing thing. And, you know, you might be here today and you might ask, well, why is it that some get saved and some don't? Why is it that in this very room right here, some are going to go to heaven and some might not? Why is that? Why would there be a time? Why would there be a season? Pretty much the last 2,000 years, if you think about it, when the Jews, or for anyone for that matter, would reject Jesus Christ. Why would anyone say no to the love that God has? Well, we see right there in verse 21 what happened. It says, but to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And once again, Paul gives scriptural support. Here he quotes from Isaiah 65, verse 2. And the truth is that when you look at the picture, man, God is stretching out his hands, he says, all day long. God is stretching out his hands. He's saying, come to me. Come to me today. But by far, the majority would not come. And still, the majority will not come. You know, if you can think about it, I mean, imagine God stretching out his hand towards you. Just, you know, like reaching out his hand, extending his hand. He's saying, take my hand and I'll lift you up out of the pit that you're in. I'll change your life. I'll wash you. I'll clean you. I'll forgive you of all your sins. Just take my hand. All day long, God was stretching out his hand. But we see right here that they did not want him. He stretched out his hands to who? A disobedient and contrary people. You know, and God stretches out his hands, you guys. God stretched out his hands like this, man. If you think about it, and he died on the cross for our sins. Proving his love, paying the price, providing the way for us to go to heaven. God stretched out his hands. But we see they would not come. You know, and just in case you're ever wondering, well, how does it work with God? We understand the sovereignty of God. And, you know, I'm kind of wondering about the responsibility of man. Please understand, you guys, God is not willing that any should perish. As a matter of fact, we have another pretty good picture back in the book of Matthew, chapter 23. If you turn there uh, to the left, uh, Matthew 23 we see Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem. You see the same truth. It says here in Matthew 23, verse 37, when Jesus was up there on the mountain and he had a view of all of Jerusalem and he knew that in 70 AD they would be totally destroyed by the Romans when they would come in and siege Jerusalem and not one stone would be left upon another, totally, totally wiped out. It says right here in Matthew 23, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See now, your house is left to you desolate. 
You see, the Lord is not willing that any should perish. God wants everyone to come to him and to be with him like a hen, you know, think about it, gathering her chicks under her wings. But the bottom line is most people out there are not willing. You know, we see something similar if you go over to John chapter 1. Just the way that it all worked out, it just should break our heart. In John chapter 1, we see, speaking of the Lord Jesus, it says in verse 10 that he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. I mean, this is the one who made the world. And then he came to the world. But the world did not know him. And even the Jews, we read in verse 11, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. You know, it's not that he hasn't reached out to them and it's not that he hasn't come to them. They just don't want to obey. Bottom line is they just don't want to believe. And you guys, that's the world that we're living in today. And that's why the world is so messed up, man. That's why there are drugs out there, there's crystal meth, there is murder, there is things out there that are just so mind-boggling. I mean, you would figure after all these years, man, you would figure that mankind would become moral. But they haven't. It's because they've rejected the Lord. That's the heart of mankind. They don't want the Lord, and especially Israel, for the season that we're living in. You know, one person was asking a question, well, how do you know the Bible to be true? And this one man said, you know what? There's one evidence, there is one proof for all people, and that is the nation of Israel. You look over there at the nation of Israel right now, that little teeny weeny piece of land that's always making the front page, man, that's always in the headlines. And how God regathered the nation of Israel together as a nation again. Something prophesied in the book of Ezekiel chapter 36 and chapter 37. And we see that the Bible is true. But generally speaking, and the Bible predicted this, the Jews rejected Jesus. And so the question now is, is that it? Is that it for the Jews? Is that it for the nation of Israel? Has God shut the door and thrown away the key? And we read in chapter 11, Paul asks that question. I say then, has God cast away his people? Has he? Oh, certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Is that it for the Jewish nation? The Old Testament promises made specifically to them, are they all wiped out and gone? And Paul says, no way. God hasn't cast away the Jews. As a matter of fact, Paul himself was a Jew. And Paul even answers by saying there, notice again in verse 1, he uses the word certainly not. Now, Greek scholars tell us that this expression is the strongest Greek idiom for repudiating a statement. And it contains a sense of outrage that anyone would ever think such a statement was true. That God has not cast away the Jews forever. Man, how can you ever think that God is done with the nation of Israel? 
You know, and there's a lot going on in Israel today, huh? Those of you who study politics and, you know, there's this big thing going on. We've probably got, you know, maybe 6 million Jews over there in the nation of Israel. We've got maybe 12 million Jews, 11 million Jews around the world. And there's that little teeny country surrounded by hundreds of millions of people who would love to wipe them out. And you look at that and, you know, a lot of people think, well, the Lord is done with the Jews. And even in the church, tragically, there are some out there who believe in what's called replacement theology, that God has replaced the Jews with the church and that all the Old Testament promises for the Jews now apply to the church. But please understand, it is absolutely not true. God has not cast them away. God will never put away the Jews. He always has a remnant. And I encourage you, if you want to get blessed, pray for the Jews. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, God says, I will bless them who bless you. I will curse them who curse you. He's talking about the Jews. We need to continue to support the Jews. I was reading an article just yesterday about how you know, the leader of Israel is going to meet with our, our, our national leaders, you know, and, and they're going to try to kind of, you know, get on the same page. But it seems like America is turning their back on Israel. They're losing the heart that God has for his people. We really need to keep these things in prayer because one of the reasons I believe that God has blessed this country is because we've always supported the Jews. We have been behind them. If it wasn't for us, God using us. You know, they would be wiped out. We trained them. We gave them, you know, the artillery that they needed. I was reading even this morning about the Six-Day War over in Jerusalem and how God has his hand on the Jews. Did you know that when the Jews were involved in the Six-Day War and the year was 1967, that this little teeny country wiped out 600 Egyptian tanks? How could that happen? That this little teeny country... It went into Egypt, and they never got a plane off the ground. That they wiped out Jordan, that they wiped out Syria, that the Egyptian president had to resign, and the top 11 military men were demoted because the Jews just wiped them all out. How did it happen? Well, it was God. But you want to know something? God used America. And I'm telling you this right now, that if we turn our back on the Jews, then we, and we already have, we are already beginning to fall as a country. That's another reason that we are in big trouble. Because we've turned our back on the Lord, we've turned our back on his people. God's not done with the Jews. And we read it right here so very clear. As a matter of fact, Paul himself was a Jew, and he goes on to say, you know, and I'll use myself as an example. I'll even use Elijah as an example. Because look what we read in verse 2. It says, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. And I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. You see, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. There's still a remnant 
And one day there will be a revival. Paul points to himself as living proof. And then he points to the time of Elijah as biblical proof. You know, referring back to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah thought that he was the only one left that was faithful to God. You know, and even in those days, and even in the northern kingdom, the Bible says there was still a remnant of Jews that were faithful to God. There were 7,000 men there at that place who had not bowed the knee to Baal, and even so, there remains a remnant today. You know, most of Israel is atheist. Twenty-five percent are atheist. Um, there is a small percentage that are Christians, and there's still a remnant. My brother-in-law Larry, he's a Jew, born anew. He's cool. He's true. It's an amazing thing, man. How many? Anyone else here? Jewish? Just out of curiosity, we love you so much. We love all you guys, but it's an amazing thing when a Jew is born again. There's still a remnant. God has not cast away his people, and we need to know that. Back there in those days, Paul thought, I'm the only one. There's no one left. And God says, listen, there is a remnant today according to God's grace. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Romans chapter 9, Verse 27, it says, Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. And so it's kind of cool looking at our section today. We learn about the plan of salvation. We learn about the nation of Israel. And they are a witness and they are a warning to the world. Referring to the plan of salvation, notice again what it says there in verse 5. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And one thing Paul makes very clear in the book of Romans, and we're almost done with the theology part of it, is that salvation is by grace alone. That salvation is not by works. You don't have to go through some ceremony. You don't have to be circumcised or baptized or hypnotized. I tell you guys that all the time, man. You don't have to go through any type of work in order to be saved. Salvation, like our t-shirts say, is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We see here in verse 6 that whole plan of salvation it says and if by grace and it's no longer of works otherwise grace is no longer grace but if it's of works it's no longer grace otherwise work is no longer work and you're like what is he talking about there <laughs> it's a tongue twister i dare you to say it fast no it's a, it's just basic stuff man it says hey The one thing we see in the scriptures is that when it comes to the formula for salvation, please understand this, and you guys really need to know this. Grace and works cancel each other out. They are mutually exclusive. They do not mingle. They do not mix when it comes to the formula for salvation. Now, of course, they mix in your life. If you're a Christian, if you've experienced the grace of God, you will have works. You will have fruit. It will follow your salvation. But if there is anyone here who thinks that they're going to heaven because of something they did, then when they die, they're going to be in deep trouble because there is nothing you can do 
to contribute to your salvation, you know? I'll bet even in this room right here, but I know for sure when you go out there on the streets, you know, you talk to people and you say, hey, you know, why should God let you into heaven? You know what they usually say? Well, I'm a good person. Sorry, you're not. (laughs) Well, you're not good enough. Nobody's good enough. Well, I was baptized. Doesn't matter. Yeah, anybody can get wet. Anybody can go swimming. Anybody can get baptized, man. Well, I was circumcised. Well, I, you know, went to church. Well, I read my Bible every day. Well, I walked old ladies across the street. Listen, man, there is nothing that you can do in order to earn your way into heaven. Because if you think that it's your work, then you just canceled out the grace that you need to get into God's kingdom. You see, it's either or. Either you're trusting in the grace of God or you're trusting in somebody's works. You know, it's kind of interesting. This week has been such a blessing. So many people coming my way, able to share the Lord with them. This one guy came in. He's an Asian man. And he was talking about the country that he lives in. They believe in, you know, some weird stuff. And, and, you know, um, it was so cool to be able to share with him the gospel. How the Lord God has done the work. How every other religion is trying to kind of earn their way up to God by being good or doing this or going through some ceremony. But Christianity is the only religion where we're not trying to go up the mountain. But God has descended the mountain to us. And God died on a cross and he paid the price, providing the way. And all we have to do is receive The gift. Listen, if you try to pay a penny for that gift, then it's no longer a gift. You see, we have to receive that gift. And I don't know about you, but I just think that's that's good news. I mean, don't you like it when things are really, truly free? Seriously, isn't it cool? Salvation is a free gift. Some people don't like that. The Jews didn't like that. And it became a stumbling block to them. I just pray we would know, like Spurgeon said, it is all of grace. You know that as Christians, grace changes everything. We don't deserve it. We deserve hell. Even after Christ, you know, being a Christian, I still mess up. I don't deserve heaven. I deserve hell. But God has given me heaven. Like that acronym says, it's God's reward at Christ's expense. You know, we start in grace and we need to stay in grace. You know, I don't know if you guys have heard the simple message of Jesus. And I don't know if it's really penetrated your heart like it should. But man, I pray it does. And that when you hear it, and even today if you understand it, that you receive it. And that you believe it. Because if not, if you're like, hey, you know what, I'll check it out next week, homie, you know, or I'll do it tomorrow, man. Listen, you might not have tomorrow. And not only that, if you choose not to believe, then there is a chance that you might be blinded. That's what we read next. Notice it says in verse 7, it says, What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. 
Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. Let me tell you something, man. We are studying some heavy scriptures today. The plan of salvation, the nation of Israel is a witness and a warning. Because you see, they did not believe. And therefore, they were blinded. And that's a warning to us all, man. That if you don't believe, you might be blinded. That if you harden your heart, then God will honor your decision. And like Pharaoh, who hardened his heart multiple times, God might harden it as well. You know, that's what happened to Israel. And again, Paul here, he gives scriptural support. Quoting, first of all, from Isaiah 29, verse 10, and then Psalm 69, verses 22 through 23. You see, this is the way it works. They didn't want to use their ears to hear God. They didn't want to use their eyes to see God. They didn't want to open their hearts to love God. And therefore, God closed up their ears, God blinded their eyes, and God hardened their hearts. Listen, if you're here today and you can understand the message of salvation, then that is a a grace gift given to you that you don't want to play with. Because if you don't use those ears to hear him and you don't use those eyes to see him and you don't use that heart to love him, then the day might come when you cannot hear and you cannot see and you cannot feel. And that's the warning we get from Israel. You might not have tomorrow. And even if you do, you might be blind, deaf, and hard-hearted. Now, for us, you guys, and we don't have time to go there, but if you want, write down this scripture, man. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. And the Bible says that if you don't receive the Lord now, then when the rapture of the church happens, you will be blinded. And so be so careful, you guys. Today is the day of salvation. As a matter of fact, if you would, turn over to Isaiah 55. And this is a really cool verse. I love this verse, Isaiah 55. And notice what it says in verse 1. I like this. God is a rapper. Ho! (laughs) Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? The Lord is just saying, come, man. I mean, you're hungry, you're thirsty. Don't continue to do the things that you're doing that really don't satisfy you. Come and I'll quench your thirst. Come and I'll build you up. I'll give you water. I'll give you milk. I'll give you the things that you want. I'll give you the things that you need. Then looks, if you look down at verse 6, notice what it says. Seek the Lord, though, while he may be found. And call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. 
The Lord just says, hey, man, come today. Seek him while he may be found. And as you seek him today, as you surrender your life to him today, then he will forgive you of all your sins. No matter what you've done, the Bible says that he will abundantly pardon. Isn't that cool? You know, a lot of the frustrations that we have in life are because we carry that guilt around. It's like trying to walk through life with a refrigerator on your back, man. You're not going to get far. And God says, listen, let me take the burden from you. Let me set you free. Let me bring you to that place where you belong. And we can enter into a relationship forever and ever. But whatever you do, don't wait until tomorrow. There needs to be an urgency in the proclamation, and there needs to be an urgency today for salvation. We need to be people who are missions-minded. We need to have eyes to evangelize, you guys. And that's what I'm really getting as I go through the book of Romans. God says, listen, this is how you're saved. We've seen that in the book of Romans, man. This is the whole process of salvation. But now what I want you to do is I want you to go out, and I want you to share that message with everyone. It's a warning for us individually, but thank God the Lord's not done with the nation of Israel nationally. If you're here today and you're a Christian, I encourage you to respond to the inclination that God is speaking to you regarding the urgency of sharing the gospel. But if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I encourage you today to respond to that invitation. But the Lord loves you. You may not love yourself, I know, you may not realize all these things like, you know, hey, man, I I don't like the way that I am and these things that I do and there's no way that God can accept me and the devil's trying to lie to you. And listen, man, God will receive you. The Bible says he will never, ever, ever send anyone away who comes to him. But this is the bottom line. You got to count the cost. All of us here as Christians and non-Christians, we have to be willing to pay the price. You know, I'll share with you guys this, and you can't tell anybody about this, but um, right now it's kind of like, I don't know if you call it going on a diet or, you know, trying to eat better. How many of you here are on a diet, just out of curiosity? Okay, so some of you here, you kind of know what I'm talking about, you know? And you know what's going on? And this is pretty much the routine lately, and i got to share you guys with you guys this. I've been doing pretty good in the morning, man. In the morning, I have like a bowl of cereal. It's like a half a serving. I'm serious. I get a glass of orange juice. I take my vitamin. I go out into the day. And then for lunch, I'll have a yogurt, a few almonds, and some grapes, and some blueberries. I, I do so good, and man, throughout the day, I feel good. But then you know what happens? Dinner. <laughs> and last night, I had three bean and cheese burritos. I'm like, what's up with that? Woke up in the morning, and I got on the scale. I said, Lord, I don't understand. (laughs) And he said, it's pretty simple. And this is the way God talks to me. He always talks to me in rhymes. He said, listen, I want every meal or there is no deal. That's what God said to me, man. And that's the way it is with your life, too. He wants everything. For some of you here, that's why it's not clicking. Because you're not surrendering everything to him. You need to do that today, you guys. You know, we were so blessed this last week. 
Um, someone actually gave us tickets to Disneyland. It was kind of cool. This individual was stirred up so much by the message last week that they said, listen, I was planning on going to Disneyland on Saturday, but instead of going to Disneyland, I'm going to go with the jet team. I'm going to go evangelize on the streets of Almani. And that's so they said, here, you go to Disneyland. And so we were able to go as a family on Monday. And uh, it was kind of cool, but one thing that I never do is go to Disneyland during the summer because it's hot and the lines are long. And it's not really fun, to be honest with you, man. But you know what ended up happening, man? When we got there, the very first ride that we got on, there was a, a young man there who had a pass, and he didn't have to wait on any lines. And it was just so cool because we got there, and he said, hey, you guys want to join me? I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I have a pass. I don't have to wait in any lines, and you, we can just go straight through the line. I said, dude, are you serious? <laughs> And it was just so cool, man. He got us into the front. Boom. Got us into the front. You know, and we didn't want to take advantage of him, but we did. You know, we just <laughs> kept going to the front of the lines. And then the Lord really just ministered to me. And he said, listen, that's the way it is with me. Why do you want to wait in this line, this two-hour line? It's miserable. It's hot. Living in such a terrible place. Listen, if you join me, if you join me, then we'll go to the front. Not only will we go to the front with Jesus, but without him, we won't even get in. You see, but we got to join him. This young man right here, he had uh, arthritis. And he had that physical thing that, you know, he had to go through in order to get that pass. And, and for us, you guys, the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross. But he paid the price. And basically what he says today is, listen, what I want you to do is join me. Join me, and we can go to the front of the line. Join me, and we can get in. And that's what we need to do. Let me give you real quick four words from today's study that I think will help us, you guys. Number one is the word resist. Please do not resist the invitation of God. Number two is remnant. Remember with Israel, there is a remnant. And there will be a revival. Number three is replace. If you're not willing to do what's right, just like God replaced Israel for a season, he'll replace you. <laughs> and then the last word is report. Who has believed our report? I pray that you would be one of those today, that we all would believe the report of the Redeemer who set us free. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for allowing us to be here, Lord, today. Father God, I just pray that you would just stir up every heart here, Lord, that there would be an inclination among Christians to be sold out and surrendered, that there would be that invitation going out to the non-believer today, that you love them, Lord, and that you want to change their life. I pray, Lord, that you would do a mighty work. And, Lord, that right now your Holy Spirit would work in the hearts of those individuals here, Lord, that need to receive salvation today. And just as we're here today and every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here and you know you need Jesus, then right where you're at, man, right in your heart, you talk to God and you tell God that you are a sinner, but you want a Savior today. Admitting your sin and trusting in him to be your Lord and Savior. And if that's you and you want that life, 
then right where you're at, man, in your heart, you just pray this prayer. You pray this prayer in your heart. And if you mean it, God will write your name in the book of life. You pray, Lord, I come to you today and I admit I have sinned. Today, I turn from my sin. I repent and I trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to live and to walk as a Christian from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if you prayed that.